0: You are Locked On Utes, your daily podcast on the Utah Utes. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome into Locked On Utes. I'm Jay Catch. That is Brian Brown. Brian, first things first, how are you, my friend?
1: It's signing day.
0: It is. Yes, yes, yes. Yes. Who are yes! you, Daniel Bryan? Come on now. I didn't know you. I had a fellow WWE fan on the podcast with me. We have to mix in some WWE references here.
1: Honestly, if I'm going to go after any WWE wrestler, it's it's Otis, right? My twin brother. Yes. But, you know, a good old fashioned yes chant. I'm always on on board for that.
0: Absolutely. Well, running down what's going to go on today, we are going to talk about signing day because it is here. These, This is the day that college football fans who are diehards like yourself and I, we look forward to seeing where the young men that we have tracked for months and years in certain cases ultimately put pen to paper and sign with the programs of their choosing. We're going to break that down for the University of Utah today. also need to talk about the... Should we say narrow win over UVU for Utah basketball for the running Utes? So there's a lot to get to on today's podcast. It's all brought to you today by our good friends over at Coors Light, as well as Built Bar. We'll tell you about both of those companies here in just a little bit. What do you say, Brian? Should we get going here?
1: Finally, the Locked On Utes has entered the arena,
0: Jabronis. <laughs> all right, let's do this thing. This is the Locked On Utes podcast for December 16th, 2020. What's up, everybody? I'm Jay Catch, your host here on Locked On Utes. And co-hosting this show is the esteemed Brown Bear himself, Brian Brown. Brian... I guess first thing, as we like to do on this podcast, we want to remind everybody, make sure to hit that follow or subscribe button, but more importantly, and it's something that you reminded us on the very first of our re-debut of this podcast, leave us a rating and review. We need all of those five-star ratings because it helps us build this audience. We're off to a flying start, all things considered with this podcast, but your guys' help with those ratings and reviews are just absolutely critical to our success.
1: My favorite part about starting the You'd zone Blockcast, which was a previous podcast endeavor was reading the creative reviews that people would post trash me, make jokes about me, <laughs> send me your best pun. I don't care. Whatever it is. Give me your food recipes, anything in those reviews. Just make sure that it is as always five stars only.
0: Yep, that's what we want. So a big thank you in advance for doing that. And like we like to say, we aim to be your one stop for all things Utah sports on this podcast. It's a nice, tidy package. About 30 minutes is where we kind of aim to to wrap things up. We want to make you guys the smartest Utah fans when you're talking with your family and friends. It's what we enjoy doing with this podcast. So let's break into it here. It is signing day. I guess what we should call technically the early signing period, Brian. It's a three-day period here where high school athletes can sign their national letters of intent with the programs of their choosing. And by all accounts, we talked a little about this a little bit on yesterday's podcast. Utah's put together one of, if not their best overall recruiting class that should be signing today.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And if you are not already a subscriber at youthzone.com and you are a Utah fan, you need to get there immediately today. You can get a seven-day free trial. They'll have all the updates, all the information, everything you want to know about recruiting, all the history of it. This is my favorite time of the year, uh, when it's not actual football. I love recruiting. Mm-hmm. It's something that I used to hate, to be honest <laughs> with you. Okay. Um, until I started to understand it, and it's it's a game within a game. Um, there are weekly, monthly, yearly wins in recruiting, and this class really is a championship level class. They're ranked 29th overall. In the nation, according to 24/7 Sports, uh, ranked fourth in the Pac-12. The average rating for the class is is 87 out of out of 100. We'll call it 100. It's actually 1.000. Sure. Yeah. Um, Like I said before, I'm just gonna butch that every single time. Um, but it, it, highlighted by Ethan Calvert, Peter Castelli, Mason Tufaga. It, it is a very linebacker heavy class for sure, which is is a good thing because Utah was and is going to be very shallow and very thin at the linebacker position going forward. Uh, I've had some conversations with some scouts regarding Devin Lloyd, and it does sound like the buzz around him is is starting to accentuate to the point to where he might even be a day-two guy if he decides to leave. Wow, okay. Yeah. So a um, little tidbit there for you. Um, but in the meantime, it, it is signing day. It's an exciting day. If you're new to it, this is the early signing period. This is when most athletes are now signing with teams during sure. this period. There will be a few spots open in this class where the youths can – can do some work and, and possibly maybe catch some late bloomers. We've talked a little bit about the California high school football season, not starting until spring. Mm-hmm. If that does go through, which fingers crossed that it does, there may be some late bloomers that pop up. Utah's had success with that in the past. Uh, there may be some transfer portal guys that Utah wants to save a scholarship for. Uh, Siaki Ika is a sure. local product from yeah. East high school that entered the portal out of LSU. Um, so that's kind of where Utah sits. It's a, it's a really Great class there. The highlight guys, obviously, Ethan Calvert, we've talked about. Peter Castelli. we've talked about a little bit. Um, we can talk a little bit about he and Jackson Dart and, and the whole scenario behind that down the road to uh, Mason Tufaga, a linebacker out of St. Louis High School. We've talked mm-hmm. about St. Louis High School. Ricky Parks is another name, running back out of Gaither High School in Tampa, Florida. And as I'm watching, Monday Night Football the other night, it, his comp jumps out. At me, mean, it's Gus Edwards. You know, okay. he, he's, a, yeah. he's a bigger back. He's got some shiftiness to him, but but very strong runner, very uh, well built runner, that kind of thing. Um, you know, it, it's a very rounded class. Isaac Vaha, tight end out of Pleasant Grove. Makai Cope, wide receiver from Culver City. He also plays with Peter Costelli. They were kind of a, I don't want to say a package deal, but but I think the two of them working out and playing together really became a critical part of the process for both. Um, you know, there's Trey Reynolds who Steve borrowed with 24 seven youth zone. That's his favorite guy in this class. Cole Bishop, another tremendous prospect out of Georgia a safety six three, two hundred 200 pounds committed to Utah basically because of Morgan Scali. So if you had questions about what the whole summer <laughs> situation with coach Scali and, and its effect on recruiting, well, There you go. Uh, Bishop was a highly, highly recruited guy. A lot of the Southeastern Conference schools wanted him to play linebacker. He came to Utah because they wanted him to play safety. Uh, Alicia Lloyd, corner, Zero Williams, offensive tackle. He is massive. He's 6'8", 250, incredibly athletic. He's going to take some time to develop, but, but a really talented Talented athlete, basketball player, too, which I love in tackles. Yeah. Very long, very, can move well, great bend. So I think when people watch Simi Muala, for instance, his bend can be a little bit creaky at times. <laughs> yeah. Zero doesn't have that problem. Plus, he's got the same name as one of my favorite characters in Ted Lasso. Okay. Uh, my. We talked about Jonah Ellis, another one of my favorites. Michael Mocafisi, we've talked about. Viliami Pua, uh, son of Sione. Mm-hmm. I, I believe Viliami is going to serve a mission, so so that's one we won't see for a little bit of a while. Then my probably two favorite prospects that I haven't already talked about, Veltre Jefferson, who's listed as an athlete out of uh, Fresno, California. He's 6'4", 230, most likely coming to Utah to play D-end and linebacker. And then Koli Fai, who out of uh, guard, out of Bethel, or Bothell, excuse me, Washington. And, and if you don't know anything about Coley, he might have the most charismatic, cool, like true lineman personality that you've ever met, where he's like, I'm going to kick your butt on the field and I'm going to joke and, and and eat with you off of it. So hey. that wraps up the class, uh, barring any sudden changes, which you never know with signing day.
0: Absolutely. So uh, one thing before we switch gears, I do want to talk a little bit more about the transfer portal and how that might affect things, Brian. We'll get to that here in a moment. But I do want to take a minute and talk about the Castelli versus Jackson Dart situation. Uh, Dart, some of you may hear this after he's already announced he, where he's going to sign. He's down to a final four of Arizona State, USC, UCLA, and BYU. Those are the four finalists for him. Of course, the son of a former Ute, a lot of people wonder okay, why in the world was the University of Utah not pursuing this guy? And I think there is some thought out there from some people is this Zach Wilson Part 2.0? Well, I am of the opinion, Brian, that Peter Castelli is everything that Utah has looked for in a quarterback under Kyle Whittingham after seemingly a, a decade long search for a guy who is effective as a runner and a passer and seems to fit what Kyle Whittingham wants in a quarterback. Castelli is it. And Jackson Dart just as happens to not maybe fit that mold. What do you think?
1: It, well, yeah, I think that's part of it. I think development is not always linear with with quarterbacks. Sure. And and I think When we talk about quarterback recruiting, a big part of it is the fact that you need to go to the camps. The camps always happen in spring and summer. Now, Mm -hmm. as you watch NFL quarterbacks, you see a lot of these guys that are getting up there. They're all baseball players. They all make those off-platform throws. Zach Wilson, same thing, where he's off balance. He's out of control. They're throwing from crazy arm angles. And I think a lot of that development happens on the baseball diamond for these guys. Um, And thusly, Jackson dart was a baseball player. And so he wasn't hitting the camp circuits as a junior. He didn't get a ton of attention. Now that doesn't mean that Utah was unaware of him. Obviously they were, Yes, but at the time they were deep in discussion with Castelli. And so basically the timeline runs into this. We've seen Jackson dart as a junior. He was playing at Roy. We really didn't know how good he was. In my opinion, Mm -hmm. he was a high G five, low P five prospect. Okay. And there were rumors. He was going to transfer to corner Canyon. Nothing was solid. I think People close to Jackson knew how, how good he was, but it's always hard to trust people that are close to a player because they always have the player's best interest at heart, <laughs> uh, as they should. you yeah. know. And and I think at the time, Utah had been deep down the road with Costelli, and so by the time April hits and Castelli is ready to commit, they don't have enough evidence to offer Dart. Now, sure enough, Dart blows up plays amazing, but you are right. He is a little bit more of a gambler style. Jaden Delara up at Wazoo. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I think of the, the the programs that he's selecting, I think USC is probably the best fit for him with Graham Harrell. He's a guy who can improvise, who, who throws a very accurate ball. He's an excellent deep ball thrower. And so that kind of system where he can throw 50, 60 times a game is a perfect fit for him. Like you said, Castelli. Much better fit for the Utah offense. He's, he's reliable. He makes things happen with his legs. He's an incredible, I, th- I believe he's 10, 500 meters. Something, like that.
0: Some, something incredibly fast.
1: He is really fast for six, four. Um, he's also put on some weight. So he was at 210. He's closer probably to 215, 220 now. Um, and he looks the part. Uh, but he's a grinder, and I, I just love – He he's always cool. He's very calm under pressure. You know, he was at Elite 11, which is kind of the big quarterback camp. And this is turning into me selling Peter, Peter Costelli, but Utah fans need to know why the decision was made, right? Mm-hmm. So he's at Eat Elite 11, has a really bad first day. Turns around and day two, day three, outperforms everybody. Just hit hit it hard, really grinded, really pushed through and pushed himself all the way up from the bottom, almost into the final slot for the 11. Now, that doesn't usually happen. Usually quarterbacks that just don't make it happen on the first day never go anywhere. So I think it's a real testament to how gritty he is and, and what a hard worker and, and what a solid mindset he has. Uh, not to say that Jackson Dart doesn't, but I think, as you said, Dart, fits so well in those systems where they just want to run and gun, throw the ball. Mm -hmm. You know, air raid seems to be a term that everybody loves to throw around, but I, I don't know that it's strictly air raid that he fits into.
0: Yeah, well, and I think you're right about that. I, I really am extremely high on Castelli. He's been a guy who's actually been a guest on my radio show that I do in my day job with DJ and PK. Very impressed with that young man. We had his head coach on. Uh, impressed with what his coach thought of this young man. I think that Castelli is going to be a guy that Utah fans are going to be proud to have in this program. And yeah, you you may lose out on the local guy in Jackson Dart, but. I am convinced that Castelli, he is like the tailor made Kyle Whittingham want in a quarterback out there. So
1: tall, cerebral yeah. can move with his feet. Like we talked about, he is Alex Smith 2.0 in a lot of respects, you know, yeah. that same kind of long eloping gait. Sure. You know, so, and, and, He's, he actually is a really tough quarterback in the pocket, too. A, a lot of these things, I, I think Jackson Dart feels more like Cam Rising to me and, and Costelli feels more like an Alex Smith type okay. or, or, or Travis Wilson, um, which we've seen. That's just their MO up at the University of Utah. They like those taller, you know, um, uh, more almost pro-style quarterbacks. And, and I don't know that Jackson really fits a mold per se with that. Well,
0: I'd say. I mean, you've seen, you've seen Jackson play. What yes. do you think? I, well, I know we're running out of time here, but Jackson to me is almost a tailor made for what a guy like Graham Harrell is trying to do on offense, where, yeah, it's not the true air raid. It has spread elements, it has air raid elements, but it is a system that slings the ball all over the yard and it does gamble at times it will make they have guys who make throws into spots that maybe other quarterbacks are a little reticent to make that throw they will try and thread it in there and see what they can pull off and with the athletes that a team like usc can put on the field at wide receiver a guy like jackson dark could look extremely great in a system like that
1: absolutely agree percent.
0: all right well we will get to the transfer portal here in a minute because i do think that it could be a game changer for a program like utah there's also some stats out there on the transfer portal portal after the news yesterday of the two running back uh, transfers for the university of utah that we need to talk about as well we'll get to all of that here in just a second but first brian we need to talk about our good friends over at cores light We talk about this a lot on this podcast. We've done so since we started it. What were your fourth episode here? But life is crazy busy. We all know that 2020 has been just a crazy year and it feels like we're constantly just on. We're always having to do something. We're jumping from thing to thing to thing. Well, when you want to chill, we want to encourage you guys to check out Coors Light.
1: Maybe you watched the Utah basketball game last night. I don't know. Sometimes all you need is just to have a Coors Light and chill
0: absolutely so check it out guys Coors Light we love this company Coors Light is cold lagered cold filtered and cold packaged it's literally made to chill it is as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies perfect for a moment to unwind Coors Light is the one that Brian and I choose when we need to unwind so when you want to hit reset reach for the beer that's literally made to chill get Coors Light and the new new look delivered straight to your door at get.coorslight.com guys please remember to celebrate responsibly that's Coors Brewing Company Golden colorado love our good friends over at cores light all right brian as promised let's talk for a minute about the transfer portal we talked a lot about it yesterday of course with devin brumfield and jordan jordan wilmore opting to enter the ncaa transfer portal and look for greener pastures well, you dug up some stats, and from uh, and it's an assist from our good friend Steve Bartle over at utezone.com. By the way, another shameless plug. Make sure you guys are checking out utezone and subscribing to utezone. Uh, Brian works for the site. Steve Bartle does a great job. The entire crew over there is phenomenal. I would encourage you to check that out. But getting back to the point at hand, Brian, you dug up some stats from an article that Steve did, and it's Pretty mind-boggling, some of the numbers with regards to the transfer portal.
1: Yeah, and this this was a an article that Steve put together around signing day last year, um, 2019, I should say. Okay. Uh, so, so some of the numbers may have have adjusted a little bit here or there, um, but essentially, what it boiled down to is this. There are current, as of the writing of the article, there are 756 student athletes in the transfer portal from SBS, FBS teams that are still active, as in haven't been able to transfer to another school. Okay. There were 857 active players in the portal from August 1st, 2019 through january 30th 2020 so out of the 100 and or excuse me 1613 transfers from fbs schools that entered the portal that many never found a home so uh almost 57 percent of the athletes that entered into it i'm misreading these stats somehow anyways um
0: but over so 57% 57% of these students, so more than one in two will not find a new home after transferring from their program is essentially just the, the overall gist of what we're talking about here. That's, Correct. Yeah. And that's so, stunning. So,
1: yeah. So, so what it's saying is, is that of those 1,600 transfers, there were still 1,000 that either had not matriculated at the time of the article, they had not found a new home or they were stuck in the portal for whatever reason. And and so that's where the 57% number comes from. Um, Now, as I've monitored the transfer portal moving forward, you can kind of see that there are not a lot of teams that are jumping on board to to jump into the portal, unless you're something like Miami, where you have just loads of of positions that you need to fill immediately. Um, But most teams have not had a lot of success with it. You know, I I don't think that University of Utah really has a, a transfer portal case outside of maybe hopefully cam rising yeah, but that right now that's a long shot i don't think there's really been a, a solid transfer portal I, I guess you could say francis bernard but i don't know that he was necessarily a portal case you know what i mean yeah, i'm mean, no, local no. kid yeah. one that they had a relationship with um it has not been a super successful endeavor but most of all for the athletes because most of these guys do not find a home afterwards and it makes sense if, if you're a college football team you're not going to go after the guy that's got two years of baggage you're going to go after the younger player one that you can mold to your system one that you have more opportunity to do more with
0: well and that that's a very good point right there is there's always that old adage when in doubt if you have two players of equal ability go with the younger guy And that and that's the thing if you have a let's say he's a redshirt sophomore or a junior who is in the transfer portal and you think that he is of equal caliber to an 18 year old freshman that you either have uh, have committed to your program or a guy who may be committing you can get into the program. Well, yeah, coaching staffs are going to are more likely to invest the three to four years in the younger player versus one to two with that older player if they're of equal caliber and that, and that. Yeah, go ahead.
1: I was just going to say, and it's very rare that you get a transfer portal player that comes in and immediately plugs into your system sure. and excels.
0: Yeah, for every think- for every Derek King out there, there are five to seven to nine to ten other guys who are second, third, fourth string caliber guys.
1: Yep. And so as we look at this recruiting class and and we see the exits from the running backs, Utah will keep a few slots open and and possibly peruse things through the transfer portal. I think any running back who would be transferring into Utah would be doing so under the under the guise of, hey, there's not a guaranteed spot for you. We've got our starter. Mm -hmm. You would be here just because you need a scholarship to finish your schooling. Sure. Uh, So. Maybe a Juco guy, uh, you know, somebody who just wants to come home, uh, a grad, maybe a Jalen Warren. A grad transfer
0: type of a deal, okay.
1: Something like that, you mm-hmm. know, uh, it, it, there's probably not a lot of opportunity to get a running back per se. They'll leave a few slots open to try and pick up maybe a late late add-in recruiting. There's, a you know, a few guys out there that I think Utah is, is interested in that are not committing or signing, I should say, in, in December. They'll be signing in February, uh, mostly wide receivers. But I think the only other position that Utah might really dig deep in on the on the transfer portal would be quarterback. Okay, um, some rumors floating around about some some different prospects. Nothing that I could really verify right now. I, I think Charlie Brewer was the big name that that most people have heard. I've, I've heard some rumblings that that could be the case, but nothing nothing that I want to confirm. You, you can't know, substantiate firmly.
0: it, yeah. Yeah,
1: yeah, Not that any, any source on, let me put it this way. I have not confirmed with any source on the Utah side of things that there is mutual interest.
0: Okay. Well, regardless though, that, that number, that 57% to me is just mind boggling. And I, I'm not going to lie. Both Jordan Wilmore and Devin Brumfield, they're far too talented in my mind they're, they're going to beat the odds. Those are two guys. One of those two, You know what? I don't believe for a second that just one of them is going to find a new home. I believe both of them will find a new home. But I think the evidence is there for a program like Utah is like, yeah, we don't want to put all of our chips over here in the transfer portal and expect that's going to pay off. Because the track record on it, it's very few and far between so far.
1: Correct. And and you look at some of the previous transfers, Bronson Boyd has not yet found a home from the University of Utah. That is one that will forever puzzle me. Uh, TJ Green was able to land with Liberty, mm-hmm. uh, which Liberty is is a program on the rise, but they are still a G5 independent. So in terms of if you're going by the absolute levels, it is a bit of a step down from the University of Utah, and, and that's just in in the compared to the other schools, TJ definitely got the best offer that he could yeah. um, from the other schools that were interested. I don't know about you, Jake, but I'd much rather play at Liberty than I would Northern Iowa.
0: <laughs> okay, yeah. you I would I would you're playing at the FBS level. You're in Lynchburg, and we all know that Liberty is investing what it feels like gajillions of dollars. And I know gajillions is not a word, but they are investing all kinds of money into that program. But, so at the bare minimum, you're going to a program who has the funds. Yeah.
1: Liberty's trying their best to make gajillion a a word. So with the amount of money they're spending (laughs) and the facilities are gorgeous, man. Like, if it's your lifestyle, it's not a bad spot
0: They're They're investing. That's for sure. So that's just an interesting number. I wanted to pass along today. And of course, make sure to follow Brian at Brown Bear SLC throughout the day, as well as the Locked on Utes podcast, Twitter feed. We'll make sure to update you on signings throughout the day as they come in. They'll start in the early morning It's 7 a.m. local time for each prospect. Correct. Is when they can officially sign that national letter of intent paperwork. Is that correct, Brian?
1: Yes, yeah. So that's the part about it that's always a little bit interesting is what's the player actually signing. There's a couple varieties of things that they can sign. They can sign their actual NLI, mm-hmm. the National Letter of Intent. That is the year binding agreement that binds the player to the school and and likewise binds the school to committing the scholarship to the player. The players can also sign Financial aid agreements, uh, sometimes called an LOI, a letter Mm -hmm. of intent. Um, There's a lot of variety of those kinds of things that maybe don't mean that aren't contractually binding like an NLI. Um, But I think it'll be interesting to see how much of that is done this year, just because the ceremonies, I would assume, are mostly going to be online. Yep. Do they really even have to sign anything? Who knows? Yeah,
0: maybe so. But yeah, it will be interesting. We'll track that all day long. All right, Brian, coming up here in just a moment, we do need to talk about the Utah basketball win yesterday. The running Utes survive. Uh, survive in advance is probably the wrong term because it's not tournament time, but in a way they did survive in advance against the Wolverines from Utah Valley University. We'll talk about that here in a moment, but we do need to spend the best part of the podcast for Brian and that take a minute and talk about our good friends over at Bilt Bar.
1: I came up with a creation today, Jake. I was
0: going to ask you about this to fill me in on what this what you have created here.
1: I call it I call it a built bar sandwich, and it's I pick two flavors and I mash them together. Okay. And today was cookies and cream and cherry barcia, and I may have created an issue for myself because now (laughs) it's going to be double the bars. Because it was so good.
0: Well, the good news is, is they're low calorie, low sugar, so you're you're safe on that front. They're also pro- high protein, high fibers. They're they're about as healthy of a thing as I think you can mash together and enjoy double the treat. Of course, they're all dipped in 100% chocolate. And Brian, I'm not gonna lie, I'm gonna have to try this and report back with the whole idea of mashing two built bars together, and I'll I'll, I'll see what my experience is like. But you have gotten my. Curiosity peaked, and I'm looking forward to trying this.
1: And this is why you need to go to the website and check it out because they have what's called the Built Bites. Sure. It's a smaller version of the bars. You push two of those together. I don't know. Maybe you're filling Randy and you want to put some raspberry and some apple tart together. Maybe you want to go cookies and cream and the new flavor peppermint. Whatever floats your boat, you have the opportunity to do it with a built bar, 130 calories in one bar too. So even though I am splurging and indulging with what I consider to be a cookie or a candy bar sandwich. It really is legitimately healthy.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So go to BuiltBar.com, place your orders now. While you're there, though, use the promo code LOCKEDON. That's L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N. You'll get 20% off your next order, a significant savings on the best tasting protein bars on the market. Brian and I absolutely endorse Built Bars 100%. We love them. We encourage you guys to check them out if you haven't done so already. And make sure you use that promo code LOCKEDON and save yourself 20% on your next order of Built Bars. All right, Brian, on our way out the door here on a Wednesday signing day edition, we do need to take a minute and talk about the running Utes last night beating UVU. And frankly, it was not easy, but they got it done.
1: Yeah, it was an ugly game, and I think anybody who watched it start to finish, you probably earned yourself either a Biltmore or a Coors, um, even this early in the morning. It, it, the team just does not look like they're very connected. I think that's a Quinn Snyder term that I really believe in with basketball. Ryland Jones looks like he's still trying to adjust to the weight gain in the offseason, and this is a team that had nine players test positive for COVID And they really just haven't spent a lot of time together. You know, there are times where Pella Larson looks like he gets up the court and he doesn't know where (laughs) his teammates are. And he knows what to do with the basketball, but he's like the new guy. And he's trying to be like, well, I don't want to just be a jerk and take it to the basket, you know. And and he's trying to play with the system is what he's trying to do. Um, But the offense just does not look fluid. Brandon Carlson has not come around very quickly. We talked a little bit about the fact that he's lost weight rather than gaining it. And Mm -hmm. and you can see it. He got bullied a little bit last night in that game. Um,
0: Evan Coleman had a night 31 and 10. And that's the second straight game that Utah has been absolutely blitzed on the interior by an opposing big man.
1: Yeah. And and I believe that he was not supposed to play last night. and, And so for him to show up and then have his, his best game, most points ever scored you know credit to him he hit a three-pointer that nice Mm -hmm. looking shot for for a bigger dude um that utah valley team like like they're not gonna out athlete you but they are disciplined and they play hard and they play fundamentally sound and i think they really exposed the weakness with the university of utah basketball team by doing that
0: I will give credit to Utah, though. In the final, it was about 3 minutes and 21 seconds. I think it was the final run where they did not give up a point after UVU got within one point. So there is positives to take away from this game, but this was a game you felt like that Utah would put to bed early on in the second half, and they didn't do so. They allowed UVU to hang around and made it a lot closer and a lot more difficult on themselves down the stretch.
1: Yeah, we can thank DJ for the announcer's Gene, because he said, you know he posted an upset alert on Twitter, and that's pretty much when UVU stops stop scoring. Yep. But I think this is really a a reflection of what Larry Krzyszkowak was saying in terms of we don't want to schedule any more games. This team needs to practice. Yep. They need to be together, and they need to build some cohesion because this team will struggle against Pac-12 opponents apparently Washington might be the worst team on the planet because they look so much better against Washington, but this team will struggle against PAC 12 opponents. If they don't find an identity on offense and, and some consistency.
0: Yeah. They got one final non-conference game against Idaho this week. Then they open, or I guess reopen PAC 12 play at Arizona state next week. So there will be an opportunity after the Arizona state game, uh, so they play that game on the 22nd. They don't play another game until they play UCLA on the 31st. That is kind of that window where they think you can get that team together onto the practice court, Brian, and hopefully work out some of those kinks. But regardless, a win is a win. You move on 3-1 and one now with Utah. Get ready for Idaho. And I'm looking forward to seeing how they look against the Vandals coming up later this week.
1: Hopefully better than the last game.
0: Absolutely. But like I said, make sure to follow us on social media. We'll be tracking signing day for you. Check out Zone if you're not a subscriber already. Subscribe over there. They have the best recruiting coverage you'll find anywhere with regards to Utah athletics, football and basketball, and everything in between. And make sure to join us every day as we talk about all things Utah. Tomorrow, we'll recap exactly what played out on National Signing Day. Probably not a ton of surprises to come, Brian, but we'll recap it nonetheless we'll also start looking ahead to a showdown saturday in the regular season finale for the university of utah football program against washington state so until then for brian i'm jake have a great rest of your day this has been the locked on utes podcast for december 16th 2020